watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit and in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, FM Heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing on the ESPN app, seen, heard, and everything in between on the magical place on the internet. Not Magic the Gathering. No, we're not into that. You are into that. Hey, no judging. That's that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a magical place on the internet where you can watch a radio show as it happens. You can chat with said radio show as it happens, and you can get the show within the show. Now, that's a lot right there. That's a lot to take in. You're like, whoa, Brent, come on now. Like, uh, most of us have a day off today, right? Maybe you're just relaxing, enjoying yourself. By the way, Uncle Brent is here. Orange Nation, not here. 315, not here. At the place to ourselves today. Big win for the Syracuse Crunch, as heard earlier, right here on ESPN Syracuse. But Uncle Brent is here. While we certainly uh, say happy Martin Luther King Day to everybody out there and recognize Martin Luther King and the uh, holiday that we take a step back and reflect on at this time of the year every year. And I have a dream and, and the amazing legacy that the Martin Luther King left back, uh, left behind, I should say. We got some big games going on. We got Syracuse coming off a big win over Notre Dame. We got a big win tonight. We've got a pregame show to do. I, I just said it, by the way. That wasn't a Freudian slip. We got a pregame show coming up. So Uncle Brent is here, and we are ready to rock and roll with you. But as I said, that, that's a lot to get into. So so let, let's go over the checklist here, Uncle Brent. You're telling me I can watch a radio show. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you, at QSportsTalk.com. So you're telling me during this whole thing, I'm watching the show and I look on the screen and there's this little box in there and I can get in there and I can clickety-clack away and I can I can chat during the show. Now, is that as much as I'd like to? Is there a limit to this? No, 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 no. You chat to your heart's content as many times as you'd like. Hop in there. Okay. Now, what's the show within the show thing? Well... See, what happens is when the radio audience goes to commercial break, our friends on QSportsTalk.com do not because we keep the mic on, we keep the camera on, we keep talking to you. Now, how can I get you into this vehicle? Now, QSportsTalk.com is uh, where all that's happening. If you're listening on the radio, we appreciate that. If you'd like to get a hold of us, we mentioned the chat is up and flowing there. At QSportsTalk.com, you can also uh, give us a call at 437-7644. Hit me on Twitter 
Brent Axe Media. So a lot on the Syracuse basketball front to get into. I'll play the song. The pills make me wanna I do have my concerns, though. I think a lot of the things that I have mentioned from time to time leading into the postseason, I think some of my worst fears are confirmed with the Buffalo Bills. I will say this. If they get by Cincinnati, I think they will go to the Super Bowl, as weird as that sounds. But I just I have my doubts and my concerns now after what I saw yesterday, and I get it. It's the playoffs, and it's a divisional rival, and just when you think you got it all figured out, I think um, the Los Angeles Chargers certainly feel that way today. You're up 27 nothing in a playoff game. You should probably win that thing. But that's sports. That's football. These things can happen. That's not what we saw in Orchard Park yesterday. The New York football Giants take care of business, knock down the Minnesota Vikings, and now you get the Eagles. And if I'm an Eagles fan, I'm pretty nervous about that one as well. So we got the Bills and the Giants advancing NFL playoff talk to get into the blind side, to get into David Wilson is going to join us this hour. David is a, a terrific writer for the Miami Herald, Syracuse alum. We'll learn all about this Miami team that Syracuse is going to face tonight. We will discuss that throughout the afternoon and on pregame. A little bit later on, as I'll take you right till tip time and get you ready for that matchup between the Orange and the Hurricanes, 7 o'clock tip time tonight on that. But we got to start with what we saw Saturday first because this Syracuse team has won nine of its last 11. This Syracuse team, I think, has done some impressive things after kind of stepping up in a pothole and we were kind of contemplating through this whole process, like, how much do we account for the fact that this is a young team? Jim Beheim tried to brush it aside, saying that they've got some veterans here. But, see, your veterans are noted in Joe Girard and, and Jesse Edwards and who they are and what they do. Benny Williams is kind of an in-betweener. He's been around long enough that by technical definition, he is a veteran player, but is essentially a freshman given that he didn't play much last year. So in the terms of the rhythm of a game-in, game-out player he's a freshman and he has been inconsistent to say the least and then you have a lot of freshmen by literal definition out there in judah mintz in justin taylor in malik brown in chris bell playing significant roles starting on this team or coming off the bench and playing significant minutes on this team and as we saw this team you look lose to colgate and lose to brian and in non-conference play, it wasn't looking good. And they kind of found themselves a little bit. They've played a couple of close games. Let's face it, that Louisville game could have gone either way. Saturday certainly could have gone either way. Pittsburgh, it was a two-point game. Syracuse had to crawl out of a big hole in that one. But there's been some close games here for this team. But they haven't been gaining a lot. As much as they've been gaining as a team, what they have not been gaining is what they really need, and that is quad one wins, quad two wins, meaty wins in the eyes of the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. But I want you to put that aside for a minute here because that team with Cole Hauser sitting courtside, who when Notre Dame's up 59-47, right? Hammond hits what was Notre Dame's 14th three-pointer of the day, right? They had found the magic formula to beat Syracuse. It's not that really, it's not, it's, it's, it's first day magic at Hogwarts. Shoot threes against that Syracuse zone, have success with that, and by and large, you're going to win. 
Notre Dame could not miss in the first half. Contested threes, uncontested threes, their ball movement was sharp. We knew that this Notre Dame team could shoot. In the first matchup in South Bend, they went 8 of 18 in the first half from the three-point line, did not shoot so well in the second half, and even that was a game that needed a Judamins play right at the end for Syracuse to win by a point, winning, in that case, 62-61. Notre Dame is an experienced team. They couldn't miss. Yet Syracuse stayed in it. Now, it got to 12 points, but even when it was at 12 points, I mean, Cole Hauser could have come out from his uh, courtside seat there with Adam Weitzman, gone into his Rip Wheeler character and taken Syracuse to the train station. And nobody would have thought twice about it because just Notre Dame, in the way they were playing, while they were shooting the lights out, Syracuse just kept hanging in there and kept hanging in there and kept hanging in there. Now, it took Jim Beheim a little while to get there. But once he turned on the press and once Joe Girard went out of the game, it changed the game. Well, it's to steal the ball and speed up the game. That's what you're trying to do. We can't win playing at a low, slow pace if they're up 12 points. We'll just run out of time. So they had two open threes. They missed them. If they had made them, different game. Different game. But we're trying to speed him up, get him to go and take a tough shot. Jesse made a couple really good defensive plays there. There was a couple rebounds that we need to get that we didn't get there. But at the end of the day, we bothered their shoot. We really didn't give them a comfortable shot. Once we got the lead, we stopped pressing. We once we tie, we usually stop pressing. We just rely on our defense and. It was really good, really good down the stretch. Now, let me uh, present this scenario to you. You're down by 12 points. you got a hot-shooting Notre Dame team. There's about 11.51 to go coming out of that timeout, and I present you this scenario. I'm going to put four freshmen and Jesse Edwards on the floor. Who's taking that bet that they're going to win that game? Not a lot of you. It's easy to say now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But what that team didn't know, it didn't know. Now, Judah Mintz has been playing well all year, and Malik Brown had been on a hot streak, and Justin Taylor had shown in moments that he can hit big shots. We certainly had not seen it from Chris Bell quite yet, and Chris Bell goes out there and drops 17 points. He actually hit a few rebounds in this game, too. Jim Beheim on Bell's play. You know, he's a great shooter. I really think that he's uh, he makes some defensive mistakes that – Early, he's up when he's supposed to be big. You know, when a guy's shooting a wide open three in the corner, it's usually the forward. We're not moving properly. And they made four of those. So you come out for defensive mistakes more than offensive mistakes. But he can shoot the ball. There's a key in there, by the way. The philosophy of Bayheim, a lot of it is rooted in defense, right? Why did Benny Williams come out of that game? Because he didn't get back on defense. If you're not playing or you find yourself on the bench, most of the time it's the result of some kind of defensive mistake. I had heard so much about Chris Bell, this fantastic shooter, and seen moments, but we saw a game. We saw consistency. We saw five of eight from three-point range, giving Syracuse the three-point shooter they need to co-sign, if you will, with Joe Girard, and Girard wasn't even having that good of a game. He was one of five from three-point range. He had his head on the floor, had to come out. He eventually came back in, but this was not one of those games 
that Joe was carrying Syracuse. And by the way, he had done that for like the nine prior games to that. If anything, he was due for a step back. I don't think he can have that tonight against Miami, but we'll get into that later. So this team didn't gain anything that it needs to gain, but boy, did they grow up. And boy, did those freshmen put something in their memory bank, put something in the player's tank, if you will, that they can dip into and now know how to do. Now, they had come back against Pitt and hadn't won. They made their Virginia game respectable after Virginia had a 23-point lead in that game. It's not like this was the first time all year that this had happened. But in that circumstance, with that crowd and everything they took away from that, you hope it pays off. You hope everything we felt about that game and saw pays off down the road when it matters. Now, it mattered. Syracuse couldn't lose that game because that would go into the books as a bad loss, if you will, in the eyes of the committee and and all that stuff. But, look, I know Jim Boeheim kind of scoffed at this once upon a time here on these radio airwaves. Remember the whole thing with Paul? It's It's not a lab experiment, Paul. But Syracuse got to go in the lab in that game. They've never had four freshmen on the floor voluntarily in a big spot. If you got four freshmen on the floor in the second half, guess what, kids? It's garbage time. Not this time. That was the right lineup to be out there to counter what Notre Dame was doing. Now, Jim brought it up there, okay? If they had hit a couple of those threes and countered the press, maybe we're having a different conversation here, but ifs and nuts and candy and what's or whatever, however that expression goes, right? They did it. They did it. They found a way. They went to the press. Now, again, they went to it too late. It worked. They did it in time, but it was like that last possible moment, right? It's like that car in the action movie is heading for the cliff and heading for the cliff. You're like, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, and it just at the right moment. You hit the brakes. So it's a little late. I think Bayheim's got to have a little more faith in this team in those moments to either go to the press or man-to-man, and it should have come a lot earlier. Notre Dame's bombing threes left and right. Your zone's not working. You've got, and I'm talking about this. You know, this is like an echo you've heard for years in Syracuse, New York. I'm talking about this team. They've proven they can hold their own in man-to-man. When it's needed. I'm not saying come out and just play it. I'm saying when you need it. And they need it to, but, you know, and now I'm picking nits. So what has to happen now is the lessons gained from this game that on the surface meant nothing, but down below meant a lot, has to carry over, and it's got to carry over starting tonight. Because now Syracuse has a big opportunity. They have a lot of quad one games on the way. This is a schedule we all saw coming. But they had an opportunity with the games prior to this to kind of get themselves ready for it. All along, no one in the ACC, no one in the ACC is a team that you would look at and say to yourself, there's no way we beat that team. Right? There's no one in this league this year that you could say that about. But you got to beat the teams at the top of the league to prove that you belong in that conversation. 
by way of the standings, they're there. But now you got to go out there and prove it against the teams that at least hold rank and are at the top of the league. And Miami, who lost to NC State over the weekend, now that game went to overtime, and Miami came back from a 10-point deficit themselves, and that was just a game that could have gone either way, and it happened to swing NC State's way. But it just proves that in this league, I mean, Duke lost over the weekend. All the top teams have looked vulnerable at times. It just so happens that Miami, and we're going to get more into Miami coming up here in a few minutes with our friend David Wilson from the Miami Herald. It just so happens that Miami is vulnerable now. Now, much like Virginia, I don't think they're going to be in a good mood considering what happened on Saturday. And Virginia was coming off a tough loss to Pitt. But Syracuse is feeling good right now. Sometimes the best thing you can do when you play a game like that is get back on the court as soon as possible. Now, Miami's got some matchup issues with this team, and it's going to be a tough game. But considering the circumstances of where this Syracuse team has played and who they are and what their makeup is, they needed that kind of game. They needed that kind of confidence that you cannot practice and to know now, like, you got to smile a little bit. Here's Jim Beheim on his four freshmen getting out there and playing a game like that because now you know you can do it. Came back with four freshmen on the floor and Jesse. I thought that's against a senior team. Uh, the game was in serious jeopardy. And these guys just made some plays and – Judah made a couple drives, but his passes were the key to Malik to get us back. And then defensively at the end, we forced a couple clock violations. We forced a couple really bad shots, and, uh, you know, they missed one. So that happened sometimes. It was an unbelievable effort to get back into this game. Uh, Notre Dame's a good team. They played well. They just... You know, we were able to make some shots down the stretch, and that was the game. So how does that carry over? Tonight could be a completely different kind of game. Miami is not the same kind of team that Notre Dame is. Miami makes more of its living in the paint than Notre Dame, which makes its living beyond the arc. Notre Dame doesn't have a strong paint presence. Miami's got much more of a paint presence. You know, Jesse Edwards put up 35 points in 31 rebounds in those two combined games. But who's going to guard him in there? Miami's a different story. But that's the ACC. You blink an eye, you get on a plane, you travel, you play your second game in three days, and you got a completely different scenario than you had two days prior to that. But that game checks so many boxes that this team needed with the exception of a quality win, and that's just how the schedule played out in this case. I thought Notre Dame would be a better team than that, but that's the way the cookie crumbled on that. In the intangibles category, in the confidence category, in the now-you-know-what-you-didn't-know category, and to have four freshmen out there with Jesse, but four freshmen, all look like they belong, all making plays. All Look, Judah Mintz had eight assists, one turnover, went eight of ten down the stretch at the free throws matter line as Jesse Edwards had some key hashtag free throws matter towards the end of that game. Malik Brown playing starters minutes. Looks like he belongs out there. And, and his uh, emergence here 
the timing couldn't be better on that, considering how Miami plays. If you want to look at it from a matchup standpoint, and just how this team's got to feel in order to win these games. They're seven point dogs in this game, and Miami is by no means unbeatable, but they're a good team. Syracuse did give up 15 three-pointers in that game, and Syracuse didn't kick into the defense it needed to until the last possible moment. Some of those things that they essentially got away with against Notre Dame that I don't think you get away with against Miami tonight. But that was as good of a setup as you could get, and it was a huge confidence booster for what is still, I don't know when we officially turn the page on this, maybe Saturday was a step towards this, but is still, by definition, a young team. It was impressive. It's an impressive win. You just wonder if the expiration on that is already passed. Because Miami is tough, as we will talk about when we come back. Our friend David Wilson is going to join us from the Miami Herald, SU grad. Great to catch up with him again, and we will do that on the other side here. We will certainly talk Bills and Giants, NFL playoffs. A lot to do on this busy Monday here on the block, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. We'll come back after this. Stay right there. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Fourth and eight, game on the line. Cousins, Hawkinson, he is not going to get there, and the Giants will take over. The New York football Giants. Take down the Minnesota Vikings. I think they got a pretty good shot to knock down the Eagles, too. Now, the Eagles-Bills was my Super Bowl prediction, and I guess I got to stick with that, but I'm having my doubts about this, and it's not on the Eagles side of things. Let's get into it here. We hit 444 on the mark. That means if you've been hitting a car, it's time to call hurt in a car, pardon me. It's time to call William Matar. Easy number to remember, but certainly this time of the day. Easy to remember, 444-4444. Let's do it. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. All right. We're going to play the song like usual. We're going to give credit where it's due. The playoffs are not easy. Survive in advance. All the cliches you want. You can even say we're on to Cincinnati. Yes, I know the game's not in Cincinnati, but you get what I'm saying. These could be the ramblings of a frustrated fan. Uh, that game took forever. I It was just a weird situation. And this is a team that's been around a lot of weird vibes lately. You're up 17 nothing. Couldn't put your foot on the throat of a team that had Skyler Thompson at quarterback. And I get it's a division rival, and they've seen him a couple of times. But look, what I hear, it's not what I saw yesterday. It's what I didn't see. And what I didn't see yesterday was a Super Bowl team. I saw a team that couldn't get out of its own way, that did not make enough stops, that had its quarterback continue to make mistakes that he cannot make. And I know that Josh Allen has a lot of farve in him and he takes chances and everything, but 
Here's where the Giants and Bills fuse together in this conversation. Brian Dable has made Daniel Jones a legit NFL quarterback in one freaking year. Cut back on the turnovers, cut back on the mistakes, showed him the way, and then like in the last month or so, they just kind of let Daniel Jones go. And Daniel Jones goes in Minnesota yesterday and puts that team on his back and wins that game. And Barkley had a great game. It's not like, you know, but the quarterback gets all the praise and all the blame. And Daniel Jones was great, and he's been great. Now I look at a Buffalo Bills team that's got Ken Dorsey in charge of this offense, comes out fourth quarter, nine minutes to go when you've got a bleed clock. And what does Ken Dorsey do? He goes deep twice. And then the whole world knows that Josh Allen's running the ball on third and 10, and they tempt fate and give it back to Miami. So Miami, because they're just so inept offensively, couldn't take advantage of this and took advantage of a lot of Bills' turnovers that kept them in that game, a weird game that took forever. I think that game just ended like 10 minutes ago. Survive in advance. If you want to give me all those cliches, that's fine. But that was not a Super Bowl team on the field yesterday. That was a bad team they faced that limped into the postseason, and Miami looked anything like that because Buffalo just kept handing them all those opportunities. And this is not a revelation I had yesterday. There have been a few times on Football Mondays when I've come on the air and I said, look, this is a good team that I like to watch, and I am a fan of. I will ride or die with the Bills for life. But how many times was I on this segment telling you that's not a Super Bowl team? And my fear is that they peaked on the field in Kansas City with 13 seconds to go. And look, some of it's just injuries, offensive and defensive rhythm players coming in and out. I mean, you have players that have just been added to the mix scoring touchdowns yesterday. I know Cole Beasley's been around and knows the team, but in every team – has to make tweaks through the season. I'm not saying the Bills are any different than teams there, but sometimes you just don't have enough. I am scared to death of this Cincinnati team that they're playing this week because I think that's a team that's just built to come in and beat Buffalo. Now, again, take it for what it's worth here, friends. I The ramblings of a frustrated fan, and I make no bones about that, but I don't think I'm alone in looking at this and saying, okay, look, they're good, and look, Josh Allen could come out next week and throw five touchdowns, but – there's just too many things missing. And the Dable thing, like Ken Dorsey to me is just like, okay, Josh, whatever you want to do, and his turnover spiked this year. And that's a concern. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong, and they get their you know collective act together and they look at the film and clean up these mistakes and use that crowd, the emotion of playing Cincinnati and everything to their advantage. Because I think if they beat Cincinnati, they're going to be a hard team to stop because I know they can beat Kansas City. I am way less concerned about Kansas City if, in fact, that's who they play and that's who they should play if they make it to the AFC title game than I am about this week in Cincinnati, right? And I'm not even giving you the one-game-at-a-time cliche nonsense. But that, as it stands right now, in my opinion, and you are free to disagree with me, is not a Super Bowl team. They're a really good team, but they're not an elite team that seems to be hitting all the right buttons at the time you have to. 
There's just teams that you look at and you're like, that's a Super Bowl team. And I know Cincinnati got a hell of a push from the Ravens. This is the playoffs, and nobody's expecting. Look, the dumbest thing you can do right now, frankly, is make the Buffalo Bills big favorites. And I've been saying that for weeks. Why does Vegas keep making Buffalo 10, 11, 12-point favorites? They don't cover. They never do. And they haven't learned their lesson from that. Maybe they just love the emotion of getting people to bet on the Bills. I don't know. They're the most bet team in Vegas this year from, I think, a stat I saw at some point. But that's neither here nor there. They're not a Super Bowl team right now. Can they become one this week against Cincinnati? Yes, they can. That's the beauty of the playoffs. Hit the right buttons, the right switch comes. You fix some things. You start making stops when you need to. You cut back on the mistakes. You have a smart game plan. I mean, run the gosh darn football. When it's nine minutes left, you have the lead in a tight game instead of playing hero ball all the time. I think Josh Allen has reverted back to enough bad mistakes that Ken Dorsey's not correcting that Brian Dable would shut down to his credit. There are times when Brian Dayball would just take over. Josh, this is what we're doing. Ken Dorsey doesn't give me that vibe. He does not give me that vibe. And I just think on defense, there's a lot of significant injuries, and they're just not I mean, Miami. Did you see who they put out there? And I know Waddle's on the field. He made a big drop, so you got to deal with Tyree Kill. I get that. But did you see who they had on that field yesterday? And they pushed Buffalo to the limit? That concerns me. That's one of the more stressful wins I think I've ever gone through. That that game took like six years off my life. That's hot. And we will break when we come back. We're going to put the spotlight on the Giants. Because the Giants, to me, are the opposite. The Giants are playing with house money. Daniel Jones is legit, and if you're playing the, all the pressures on the Eagles this week, we know what these divisional games can be when you play a familiar team, and the Giants are just like, hey, man, we're not supposed to be here, and that can be one of the most dangerous things a team can have, and they're, they're playing really well, really well. We're going to do it next. Stay right there.